We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Somebody shout amen. Our topic for discussion today uh, is the domino effect. Say that with me, the domino effect. Oh, say it better than that, the domino effect. I gave you a definition up front because I want to kind of navigate through this pretty quick. Um, it is the domino effect is the cumulative effect produced when one event sets off a chain of similar events. The domino effect is the cumulative effect produced when one event sets off a chain of similar events. Um, I see you typing. I'll give you a second. You ever um, remember when we were young <laughs> and, and, and people would say, if you take a picture, it will last longer. Remember that? <laughs> you just, you know, just take a picture. It'll, yeah. Whatever. Okay. We ready? No. Ariel's not ready. She's too typing. <laughs> it's okay. I'll wait. Yes? You should have received a, um, a single domino uh, when you walked in today. Please hold that domino up. I don't want you to hold it sky high because you're going to have to hold it for a minute. But if you could just put it in your hand and just kind of hold it here because I want you to hold it for a minute. This is actually yours to keep. Look at Truth Movement Church. It's blessing you again um, <laughs> with everything that you need. Um, but in order to create a, a, a domino effect, um, it only takes one domino to fall. It only takes one domino to fall. The falling of the domino is, is, is actually critical to the process because it's in the falling of the domino that it reaches the next domino. Say that again. It's in the falling of the domino that it reaches the next domino. If the domino doesn't fall, it can't reach. It, it, is, it, is, it is in the falling of the domino that the domino gains power and it gains the energy to be influential and impactful once it touches the next domino. Somebody shall fall. It is, in, it is in your falling in love with Jesus that's going to cause other people in your sphere of influence to fall in love with Jesus. Somebody shall fall. It is, it, is, it is you. You are the domino that has to fall in order for some people in your, in, in your sphere of influence for them to fall in love with Jesus. But first you have to fall. You can't reach them unless you fall first. 
the problem that we're having right now in the church is that we're trying to reach people, but we haven't fallen in love with Jesus. So how can I teach you and bring you along and expect for you to fall in love with Jesus when I haven't fallen in love with Jesus? Somebody shout fall. It was um, in my, my grandmother's adult years, <clears throat> she came to know Jesus. Her name is Annalee Tinker. Um, in her adult years, she, she fell in love with Jesus. And because she fell in love with Jesus, my mother, Diane Underwood, fell in love with Jesus. And because she fell in love with Jesus, I ended up falling in love with Jesus. And because I fell in love with Jesus, my children are now learning to fall in love with Jesus. Hold that domino up. You are the domino that has to fall. Your great-grandchildren are waiting on you to fall in love with Jesus so that they can fall in love with Jesus. You have family members right now that are waiting on you to fall in love with Jesus. You've got a friend group waiting on you right now to fall in love with Jesus. There's co-workers waiting on you to fall in love with Jesus. Watch this. There's a stranger in Home Depot. There's a stranger in Starbucks. There's a stranger in Winn-Dixie waiting on you to fall in love with Jesus. Lift up that domino and say, I'm the one. Generations are waiting on you to fall in love with Jesus. My, my family line's going to change because I fell in love with Jesus. Oh, gosh, I, I, I changed the future for my great, great, great grandchild because I fell in love with Jesus. And until you fall, they can't fall. You've got this friend that you've been in a relationship for a very long time. And they've been flirting with Jesus. And they've been flirting with come to church, coming to church. But until you fall, until you fall in love with Jesus, until you fall in love with Jesus, you can't reach him. Because only a fallen domino can touch the next one. Until you fall in love with with Jesus, it ain't going to work. You might get lucky, but it ain't going to work. I wanted to give you something that served as a permanent reminder. I don't care if you put it in your car. You can make a necklace out of it. You can put it on your dresser. Just don't throw it away. That, served as a, that serves as a permanent reminder that I'm the one. I'm the domino that has to fall. I wanted to make sure that I gave every person in here a domino, not just a domino per family, because it takes everybody in the family to fall. I always talk about this, and I'm pushing y'all. I promise you I'm going to get to my text. But, 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 but I, I talk often that it was, it was my wife's relationship that put pressure on me to have a relationship with God. She fell first, then I fell. <laughs> You see, that's why I gave the husband one, I gave the wife one, I gave the kids one, because all of us have to fall. Listen to this now. We are truth movement church. That means that we're a church full of dominoes falling all over the place, reaching people everywhere. But if you don't fall, the movement stops. If you don't fall, we don't reach. Oh, gosh, y'all. I want to look at four phrases from the text that I believe will help us 
to be the peace that falls. Let's get to verse 35. You already put in a little bit of work. I'll read for you. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. First phrase that I want to pull out of the text today um, is it comes from verse 36, where John says, look, the Lamb of God. Say that with me. Look, the Lamb of God. Every domino effect, um, every chain reaction, every movement must have a trigger. Um, there, there, there has to be a first that happens in order for things to follow, right? Um, I think for, for our application, um, when, when you think about how we are in social media, um, it takes someone to post it first, to share it first, to speak it first, in order for it to go viral, right? Somebody shout first. There has to be a first. After John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, um, Jesus leaves and he goes off and he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by Satan um, in, in the desert. He comes back into town. Um, and when he gets back into town, uh, one day, um, John sees Jesus walking, and um, he says out loud, and he makes a public testimony about who Jesus is, and he says out loud in public, and he testifies that, look, the Lamb of God. He says, look, the Lamb of God. The next day, um, they're in town again, and, and John sees, sees Jesus again, um, and, and he repeats himself. He testifies again. He says, look, the Lamb of God. But this time when he testifies, there are two people standing with John that John has influence with, two of his followers. And as soon as John says, look, the Lamb of God, his two followers or two other two people that he was influencing goes and follows Jesus because of what John said about Jesus. Somebody shout the first. Listen to me. There are people in your life waiting on you to testify about who Jesus is to you so they can follow Jesus. It's waiting on your testimony about who Jesus is to you. They know that you go to church. Check. They know that you're a Christian. Check. They know that you don't do certain things. Check. But they haven't heard you testify about who Jesus is to you. I wrote this note down, and I want to make sure I give it to you right. We can't rely on the fact that we are a good enough example for them to follow Jesus. We cannot rely on the fact that we're a good enough example for them to follow Jesus. Listen to me, y'all. Some things just need to be said. We err on the fact, well, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to live my life out. I'm just going to let my light shine. But let's just be honest. Sometimes you ain't that bright. (laughs) 
I'm just going to be the salt of the earth, Pastor Wontel, and I don't have to go out and preach the gospel. But sometimes, baby, you just ain't that salty. I just need a little bit more. Sometimes you can, you, sometimes we can get ourselves caught up in some stuff that we will actually repel people instead of bringing people to God. But listen to me. But if you testify about who he is to you and his goodness, they will follow based upon what you say about him. I have to, at some point in my life, testify about the goodness of the Lord. I have to testify and say, listen to me, if it were not for the Lord who was on my side, I would have lost my mind a long time ago. If he did not go to Calvary's cross to save me from my sins, I would be dead and gone. Somebody needs to hear that because your life is not a good enough example at times. Let's just be honest and let's just be real. Sometimes I ain't in the mood. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Listen to me. The reason why, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and be up front. Y'all, because y'all my family. Y'all ain't going to talk bad about me? <laughs> Elijah, you didn't shake your head yes. Are you? <laughs> I don't know if I should tell y'all what I got going on. Listen, you got to learn something about Pastor Wilson. I, I, I don't mind losing. I'm not a sore loser. Contrary to what Chantel says about me, I'm not a sore, sore loser. Um, I don't mind losing per se, right? As long as I went down with a fight. As long as I, as, as long as I worked as hard as I could, and, you know, and I lose, I'm with that. But when you lose it and you don't say nothing, please take recognition to the fact that you are getting blown out right now. Go coach your, go coach your players. So I'm at my daughter's game. Watching my only baby girl play. And they are getting smacked. <laughs> it was bad. And I knew they were going to get smacked, right? I didn't have an issue with them getting smacked. But the coach said nothing. So now since you didn't say anything, I got to say something to you. So now the whole time I'm trying to explain to him that you just need to say something to your, 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 your players because you're teaching my daughter bad habits. That's the way I look at this. You teaching my daughter and these girls bad habits by just taking and laying down for, with a loss. You don't lay down and lose. So I had to tell them from across the court. <laughs> it ain't funny. I, just, I, had to, I had to tell them from across, across the court. Coach your team. So now my wife, my beautiful wife, whom I love dearly, she's going to edge me and say, you a pastor, you know that. Listen to me. I didn't say anything out of pocket. My point is, sometimes my light ain't that bright. And I cannot rely on the fact that I'm going to always be a good enough example. I'm just not going to be able to just live my life and people are just going to be drawn to me like fruit flies to fruit. It just don't work like that. There are, listen to me, y'all, there are some things that just have to be said. I have to confess with my, oh gosh, I have to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And there are people in your family right now waiting on you to finally confess who he is to you. John says, look, the Lamb of God. And two people followed Jesus that day because of what he said. Tell your neighbor to say something. Let's get this next point. 
go to verse, we go back to verse 35. <clears throat> the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? That's point number two. What do you want? Say that with me. What do you want? You, you have to put the little, like I just did. What do you want? You want. Now, <clears throat> since we know that Jesus is love, um, he wasn't being rude here, right? He wasn't annoyed that these two gentlemen decided to follow him. So there must be something deeper at play. Yes? If you were to get a literal translation of what Jesus says to them in that moment, it would, he would have said, what are you seeking in English, it says, what do you want, right? It's, it's kind of rude. Uh, but Jesus turned and asked these gentlemen, what are you seeking? It's a, it's a, it's a simple question, but it has deep implications, right? Um, because we got to understand this. Whenever we decide to follow Jesus, at some point in our walk with him, he is going to turn to us and ask us, what is it that you want out of life? And what do I have to do with it? I'll say it again because Kennedy looks confused. I can pick on her. That's my daughter. At some point when we're walking with Jesus, and, and oh gosh, and, and if, if I could teach this more, there are certain times even as you're walking with him, it's not a, a one-time question. As you continue to go deeper in God, you go deeper with Jesus, he'll turn and ask you, what is it that you want with me? What is it that you want out of life and what do I have to do with it? What, is it, what are you seeking? It's a, it's, here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. When Jesus, watch this now, you're going to see this come true in your own life. When Jesus turns and asks you that question, many of us walk away at that point because it's a question of decision. So, so I'm, I, you decided to come to church this morning. Yes? I, I applaud you. Let's applaud yourself for coming to church this morning. That's the best you got. All you had to go through this morning to get here. Hair not working. The whole, applaud yourself better than that. <laughs> I applaud you for being here, but what is it that you want? Because how I answer that question will determine how this thing continues to progress forward. I got to be careful. <laughs> um, I remember... This, is, this has got to be 25 years ago now at this point. It's getting a little fuzzy because it's been so long. Um, but um, Pastor Tina and I, were we weren't dating yet. We were talking. Y'all, she, she, was, she was done. This dude from New York showed up with them gold fronts. <laughs> and that New York swag. Oh, God. She was done. She couldn't help herself. It was just too much. <laughs> but I remember we had been talking for two to three weeks, about three weeks, I think, at this point, something like that. 
And um, you know how it is when you first start talking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was laying the game down. It was, we was staying, we was staying up to 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning on the phone, like, girl, girl, girl. And, and she was just staying up. And, you know, she, she, so I was, in, I was a freshman in college, and she was a senior in high school at the time. And um, a few weeks go by. And I remember one night we're on the phone, and it's kind of like as soon as we got on the phone, and then she says um, to me, and this is how she says it, are, are we going to go together or what? <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> I don't really know you like that. <laughs> but, her, but, but her question was one that, had, that put me in a position where I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to do this? And am I going to continue to do this to progress to a relationship, or am I going to step away from this? When, when, when Jesus turns and when you start to follow Jesus and he turns to you, what do you want out of life and what do I have to do with it? That is our point of the decision to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to continue to walk with you because you have expectations of this relationship or I'm going to step away from it. And unfortunately, a lot of us step away from it. We back off from the church. You know, we're committed for a while. We're showing up. I mean, I guess whatever your level of commitment looks like. I mean, it might be every other week or whatever it is. But then you start coming like every other month. Because you can feel the tug of, listen to me, you can feel the tug of Jesus. You can feel the heart of Jesus just pulling on you and taking you to a place that you didn't plan on going. I was just here to play, Jesus. When she asked me that question, I knew in that moment I can't play around. It puts pressure on you when God asks you that question. Here's the thing, y'all. Listen to me, y'all. It's not a one-time question, though. He will ask you this as you continue to go from grace to grace. And he'll ask you this as you continue to go deeper and deeper in him. As you get to go to new levels in him, he'll ask you, what do you want out of life? Because it changes. When I first showed up, Jesus, I wanted you, but now I'm convoluted about everything that I've got going on in life, and I want to be part of culture. So now he's saying, listen to me, I've come this far with you now, and I've proven myself to you. What is it that you want out of life now? You remember uh, old school games, Nintendo, Mario. Y'all remember that? Rachel, ain't remember Mario. Not this play play stuff, Mario Kart and all. I'm talking about Mario. You remember how detrimental it was that you got to a space where you could save the game? <laughs> like everything that you had done would be lost if you didn't get to a space where you could get to, to, to save the game. That is what happens in our relationship with God. We get to certain levels in him and we got to save the game. So he turns and asks us the question, what do you want out of life? And what do I have to do with it? So you can save the game. Shout save the game. He's trying to get you to save everything that you've done. You've been walking with him all of this time, and you've got footprints in the sand with him, and you're following Jesus, but he wants to give you an opportunity to say, hey, I'm in this for real, Lord. I'm staying here, hella high water. I'm staying with you. So he turns every now and again. You sure? You sure? Look at your neighbor and ask him, what do you want? Let's get more. Are y'all learning anything? Let's go to verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, 
where you stay. A third point for today comes right there in verse 38, where the disciples say, where are you staying? Say that with me, where are you staying? We can agree <laughs> that this exchange between Jesus and these um, two possible disciples is a little awkward. Yes? Jesus gets, gets real deep off of it. Five minutes, Jesus, I don't even know you, and you ask me what I want out of life. Um, and then on the surface, the disciples or the to-be disciples' response is a little awkward, too, because they don't really answer Jesus' question, right? Jesus asks them, but they, they, Jesus asks a question, then they respond with a question. But what I want to show you is that the response that they give Jesus is the best response a follower or a disciple of Jesus could ever give. Jesus says, what do you want? Turns and says, well, what do you want? And they say, um, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Now, I'll make it sound simple. They're out in the town. They're in the city. Yes? They're in the middle of town. There's a lot going on, right? There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things moving. There's a lot of distractions. And they walk, and Jesus says, well, what do you want? And they turn and says, well, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? What they say was, we want to get away from the crowd. We want to get away from the noise. Because we want, to, we want to spend some quality time with you. We're not here for a blessing. We're not here with our hand out. We don't need a miracle. We just want to spend some time with you. When was the last time you showed up into the presence of God? With all that you got going on in your life, all of your issues and all of your circumstances, and you get before him, you say, Lord, I'm not here for it. I'm here for you. These boys says, it's too loud out here, Jesus. There's too many distractions around. We just want to get close to you. We want to spend some quality time with you. When was the last time you showed up in his presence with not all your stuff on your mind? But with him on your mind. When was, it, when was the last time he was your only focus? Like you was able to pinpoint him and everything that you've got going on and say, no, 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 no. Jesus, I want you today. I don't want anything else. I don't need you to bless me. I don't need you to change anything. I just need to hear from you. I just want to spend some quality time with you. When was the last time? Can we work it a little bit more? If you study their response you'll find that they weren't just asking Jesus what hotel he was staying at that night. They weren't asking him if he was staying at a Hilton or a Marriott. Now, I believe, this is my personal opinion, if Jesus was still walking the earth, he would be a Hilton Honors guy. He just seems to be that kind of guy. Because here's the reason why. When we read the text, we see the word stay. Everybody shout stay. But the word that John wrote was the, the Greek word meno, which means to abide. Now, in John's gospel, the word, minnow has, the word abide or minnow has extreme significance as it relates theologically because it explains a deepness in God. 
it, display, it, it, it explains going deeper to a deeper place with God. So what they were saying to Jesus was, um, where can we go deeper? Not just where you're staying. I, you know, I, I don't care if you're staying in the hills of Armenia, but where can, we, where can we find a place to go deeper? Is there anybody in the house today that wants to go deeper? Listen to, oh gosh, so now, can we work it a little bit? So now if you go to John chapter 15, I think I have the scripture up for you. You go to John chapter 15, and Jesus is talking. This is Jesus speaking. He says, listen to me, he says, if you abide in me, get deeper in me, and my word gets deeper in you. you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Y'all missed that. Prayers get answered on a deeper level. Did you, did you catch that? He, he says, listen to me, if you abide in me, if you get deeper in me, if you go deeper in me, and I go deeper in you, let my word get deeper in you, you will ask for what you wish, and it shall be done for you. Prayers don't get answered on the surface. Prayers don't get answered in confusion. Prayers get answered deeper. Oh, gosh, y'all. You see, you're frustrated with God because he hasn't answered your prayers yet, but you ain't got deeper yet. He's saying, listen to me. If you would abide in me, get deeper in me, and I get deeper in you, ask for what you want. And I'll give it to you. Somebody shout deeper. How many of us, listen, this is so good. How many of us show up on a Sunday morning frustrated with God? God, I've been praying all week long and you haven't said anything. But he waiting on you to ask him, where are you staying? Where can I abide with you? Where is it that we can go deeper together? We have so many superficial Christians, it makes me tired. Okay, I'm not going to do it. It's not time for that. Somebody shout, go deeper. Let's get this last one. Let's go verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Our final point for today uh, is the phrase and Jesus' response, come and you will see. Say that with me, come, and you will see. Instead of Jesus telling them about where he was dwelling, Jesus invites them to come and see where he was dwelling. I want you to understand that that invitation is critical for us. I want you to see it was an invitation. Because Jesus had every right to just explain to him, hey, I'm, I'm staying off of Fifth Street over there at so-and-so place. You know, I, we can just talk about it. And I can tell you all about me standing right here. But Jesus makes an invitation. He says, come and see. 
the reason why Jesus' invitation is so critical for us is because of this reason. If they didn't come to see, then they would never be a witness. And if they didn't become a witness, they wouldn't have a testimony. And the verse that we started on, it was John's testimony that started the domino effect. Say that again because I can see you missed it. If Jesus didn't make the invitation for them to come and see, they would never have become a witness of who Jesus was. And if they didn't become a witness, they wouldn't have had a testimony. And if they didn't have a testimony, how can they point out Jesus to anybody else? It is, it, it is in the invitation that you make that continues this thing on. I need you to grab your domino real quick. This is how, it is in the invitation that you make that allows us to continue to make sure that disciples make disciples. At some point, you have to say to somebody, come and see. Oh, I don't want to give my stuff away for weeks to come. About this man who told me everything about me. Come and, oh, come and see about this man who knows everything about me. Here's the beautiful part of the text, and we're going to talk about it next week. They go and see. They get a testimony, and the very next day, after spending time with Jesus, they go out and find more disciples. You know why they did that? Because they had a testimony. They had gotten deeper. Rabbi, where are you staying? We want to get deeper. After they got deeper, they came out with a testimony. As soon as they came out with that testimony, they're inviting everybody else to come and see. Here's how I know that you've been in contact with Jesus and that you've fallen in love with Jesus is that you will start to reach people for Jesus that, that people never thought could be reached. I'm talking about that drunk uncle that shows up at all of, all, all of the, bur the barbecues and that's always a problem. I'm talking about that spouse who says, I'm not doing this Jesus thing. There has to be an invitation made. And what I wanted to tell you today is that you're the domino that starts the domino effect. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.